I am very excited for this interview today because I reached out into the world of cosplay. I got a lot of pushback. So what was really unusual for me in setting up today's session was that I jumped online on a great cosplay group that I joined a while ago. Right. I've collected comic books for about 30 years. I have mm. some of them in the office behind me, much to the chagrin of our other staff that want them gone. So I've been a part of a group for a little while because it's part of the OzCon group. Mm -hmm. So I jumped online and I said, hey, this is who we are after some millennial cosplayers to interview. And I was met with this really great suspicion. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, I haven't had this happen to me very often, but I realized pretty quickly that i had done something where I'd stepped into some uncharted territory. Mm, right. You know, some of the elders of the group, I expect, sort of jumped on me pretty quickly. And then somebody actually went and found my bio and put my bio up mm. and said, look, if this is who he says he is, mm. he does say he's a podcaster. Yes, yes. And then I was, yep, that's me. And I apologies. It was probably a really poorly drafted post in the beginning. I was sort of doing it quite quickly. But if I put a post up in a Facebook group that I'm interested in, like if I said, hey, who wants to jump online and talk about comics? Yeah, yeah. A thousand people would say, yeah, I'm in, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's the point but, of the internet, isn't it? Bringing these groups together. Yeah. Yeah. I do that with the cosplayers and they're like, whoa, mm. what is this shady business? Yeah. I've come to understand that there's a lot of overlap with some people that have, have issues in life and their pursuit of cosplayers. Mm -hmm. So I've had to assure everybody we're not some salacious, you know, uh, underground cosplay fight club or something, or <laughs> we're not adult content producers, I promise you that much. So on behalf of those that I may have scared online by asking for guests, I assure you no nefarious deeds done here. Instead, what we've come up with is a really exciting guest. Harrison Hill, ladies and gentlemen, is a really, really exciting guest because he's a cosplay aficionado and the only stuntman, professional stuntman I've ever, ever met. So Harrison, you know, in those videos, Matt, they say, don't try this at home. These yes. stunts are being prepared by professionals. Harrison is the professional that did that silly stuff that you're not allowed to do because if you try, you'll die, you see. So that's this guy. Welcome, Harrison. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. Over to you, Matt. What do we want to know about the world of cosplay? Yeah, I know I've got Matt stunned. He's feeling a little inadequate because he's not a stunt man. No, that's right. Yeah. And I didn't get to do all those fun things, as you say. I, I was having a look at one video or two that uh, Fred set my way, Harrison. It looked genuinely exciting. So that seems like a pretty cool I thing. I confused Matt Harrison because I showed him the one of you being dragged behind the car. And I said, see, this is what happens when you don't pay your bill. <laughs> Uh, so that was my first actual take on a moving vehicle stunt and it was inspired by Raiders of the Lost Ark which turns 40 this year so it was inspired by a tribute to my favourite film of all time cool cool I can't believe that movie's 40 years old Jesus Christ can I ask before we get into the cosplay stuff what got you into stunt person world how did that happen I think the first thing was I had always been a massive Indiana Jones person, so I wanted to recreate that specific stunt to as close as I can as someone who hasn't really done a whole bunch. I've done a lot since doing that. So I've now got a lot more training on taking falls and hits and rolls, and I'm slowly developing that to work towards some film work that I've written and will be directing and producing. Awesome. So it's really was just a passion of let's see what I can actually push stuff that I've built as well for the cosplay stuff. Can I build this strong enough to withstand what they would be doing on screen? That is so awesome. Harrison, when you come to the movie, I don't want to give you any ideas, but if you need a crime boss... <laughs> You've seen uh, yourself saying, as a mafia lord, yeah, for it. That's racist, just because I'm <laughs> Italian. But I'm just saying if you want a kingpin style, I'm just putting it out there. I work cheap. I'll keep you in mind for my Punisher work. I guess that leads nicely into like a question about what attracted you to cosplaying in the beginning in the first place. Like, was it just a passion about these movies and stuff? It was kind of an accident, to be really honest. I can trace it back kind of to about 2007 when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull started to come out and I'd run around in the backyard with my uh, Disney fedora and a bull whip that was made out of a piece of string and a broom handle by my father. 
who has always helped build bits and pieces with me. So I've been very supported with that. Uh, and the same with my mum, who really supports creativity. Uh, but in terms of the serious side of the actual competition stuff and the cosplay stuff, it, it was probably 2017 when I did a Fox Mulder sort of X-Files inspired shoot for a competition. And from there, I basically went, what else can I do? How can I bring this into making movies, making stunts? And can I make a career out of this? Cool. Well, I guess that's quite a long time that you've been participating in it in a variety of different contexts. Do you think that your like style or your build techniques and stuff have changed over time uh, as you got more experienced in things? Oh, 100%. So, the first prop I actually properly built is the Trident. Basically, what it is, it's a stainless steel and solid timber hand-carved piece, which in terms of a prop that you have to carry around all day wasn't my best idea, but it's built tough. It's been in the ocean. It's done weeks of filming in salt water and is still around and kicking. So, I built that as tough as I possibly could. Uh, to try and get it to get through shoots. But I found at conventions, it's just not practical to carry around all day because it's too heavy. So I then built a full timber one, which was lighter. Mm. Uh, and I'm experimenting with a 3D printed one to get it lighter again. Yeah. So what I try and do is bring in a, a mix of, can I build this as tough as possible to go kill it outside? And then can I also make something that looks really pretty as a display piece? Mm -hmm. And I think I'm starting to get a good mix of that. I like to call it a a hybrid style, uh, an Iron Man armor being my my main thing that I work in Mm -hmm. almost uh, every every weekend. So it's quite a heavier suit. When you say we work in it, do you do things like shoots, parties, those sorts of things? So my most recent event was the iHeart Uni gig, which had me up on stage basically as a paid performer in the suit. So I was mm. paid to be Iron Man and then intermingle with the crowd and take photos. I've done that in nightclubs and lots of other different places. And then every now and then I do get booked for the odd children's party. Uh, I, um, I've had a few friends who've made done a bit of cosplaying just with like phone cutouts and doing their own sort of work and stuff. It's interesting to hear you prioritize something like sturdiness and resilience within cosplay. Do you think that comes from the fact that you enjoy just putting them through the test rather than just being this artistic piece? It comes from two things, Matt. And the first is that when I started building the Aquaman suit, which was my first project, because it was filmed so much on the Gold Coast, I wanted to jump in the suit and then jump in the surf and say, hey, look, I'm on the Gold Coast. I'm at the shoot spot. I'm in a suit I've built. But I also needed it to last the entire time I was in the water. Mm. Um, And then the other thing comes down to a lot of maintenance is required with cosplay stuff. If I could cut down on the time, I had to be constantly fixing something. So if I needed to get to a photo shoot quickly, I can throw something on and I have a suit that's Mm. going to be reliably working by the time I get there, uh, plus transporting these things is ridiculously annoying. So uh, keeping them as tough as they can be to get them places was another big factor. That's really interesting. Yeah. I guess if you take it seriously, you've got to, you've got to have them sturdy and hardy. Yeah. I can imagine it's very difficult to walk through the metal detector in the airport in the Iron Man suit. I don't know how they... Haven't done the airport yet. Haven't um, done that one? No, I haven't walked well, through the you airport. You can fly, so what you wouldn't need. Maybe, so. I can fly, but I can't sit. So oh. there you go. <laughs> Let me guess, you book yourself on Jetstar. I've got a big bum. It's very difficult. I know you're paying. <laughs> I'm wondering uh, like how expensive cosplay like this would be then if maintenance is tough and you've got to make them sturdy and real serious and stuff. The good cosplay must be pretty costly, right? Uh, it is and it isn't. There is a degree to the cost factor. If you're building something like an Iron Man suit and there's a Mandalorian helmet in the background mm-hmm. as well that I've also built, that one is 3D printed. The hard stuff, like the big props, the full suits, they are more expensive. The actual biggest, most expensive thing from the Iron Man suit was paint, surprisingly. Interesting. Uh, and repainting a lot of stuff, like if it gets water damaged, it gets scratched out in the clubs, it gets rubbed off, people chip things, and that's life. So that's the maintenance side of it, and that's where most of the cost and the work comes to keep things looking as good as they can. But then I've also built some really, some of my better cosplayers, like my Indiana Jones, is mostly stuff from op shops that I've re-sewn added correct details onto rebuilt as well as army disposal shops they're great you can you can pick up some great pieces that you can modify or just use straight off the bat but then then again it does also depend on what you're aiming for so 
if you're aiming for a full electronic Iron Man, your cost is going to be a lot more than someone who wants to throw on a Spider-Man spandex suit and just walk out the door. Mm. What advice would you have then for someone who does just want to get into cosplay as like someone just starting out then if it's anywhere from full electronic Iron Man suit to spandex do you think there's a, a right place to start or an area that's easiest to get involved in this sort of stuff from my experience mine was mostly trial and error so mm. be prepared to just make a lot of mistakes I still stuff stuff up I've repainted that helmet to get it gold almost 30 times and every now <laughs> and then there's still a blemish that I go oh that's in there so don't be afraid to make mistakes is my first it's the best mm-hmm. advice I can give anybody. Mm-hmm. The second one is be prepared for the internet. It's a sad thing to say, but the community is generally very, very good, but you can't control how other people are going to interact with you. Yeah. And especially as a performer who's off on a stage, I get everyone who goes from, oh, wow, it's Iron Man to, are you real? And starts tapping on my forehead. <laughs> so there's a, there's a big jump there as well. That's really interesting. Like, so obviously you talked a bit about the cosplay community there and as all communities, it sounds like it has its ups and downs. How, what, what do you think your experience has been with it in general? So obviously there is a community and, and it's full of people who are very passionate about things. How do you feel, find that passion interacts with the art and the, the participation? I've been very lucky because a lot of the stuff that I've done is normally current and mainstream and popular at, at right, that point right. in time when I've done it. So I normally get a pretty good reaction. However, for me, who is doing this at a professional level in as much as possible, I don't want to toot my own horn, mm. but there's a big divide in my mind between people who are cosplayers as cosplayers. So my mate who helped with the Iron Man suit, mm. Ash, would describe himself like me. He is a builder. He is there to build it, look as good as he can and compete in it. And then there is what I like to call TikTok cosplayers who go out, buy something off Amazon, eBay, mm-hmm from China, throw it on, do a dance, call themselves a cosplayer, and they get 10,000 likes for (laughs) shaking their behinds, basically. There is a huge divide starting to form between people who like to dress up, and there's a spot in the community for them. I'm not saying that there's not, but there is also those people who really do want to be up on stage competing, looking as close to the character as they possibly can. You've also got to appreciate that a lot of people just really like that character and want to be that character for a short period of time Hmm. so don't just go up and go hey you don't look like the character it's not about that for the person in the suit it's i like the character i relate to the character so as much as i find it annoying that there's people who call themselves cosplayers who don't do the cosplay build it yourself get in it suffer for your art sort of thing (laughs) there's still room for that in the community obviously Hmm. i'm not against that but there is a slow phasing out sadly of the cosplayer who is competing for a competition, especially with COVID-19 with mm. uh, in Australia, we can't travel for those cons anymore. That's a really interesting insight into a community that feels to me at least as if it's becoming a little bit more mainstream in the last decade or two. Maybe I'm wrong about that, having not been in the community, but being on the periphery in some of these other communities, it seems as if more and more people are getting more and more interested in cosplay. And perhaps that's where a divide or a shift like that might come from. What do you feel about that? I'd say you're almost close, and I think it comes down to the fact that there's a lot more young people starting. Right. And then with social media continuing to become such a big part of everybody's lives, Mm. there's the, this is really trendy now. I want to jump in on that, but I also want to do it in a way that it works for me. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and spend Mm. a ridiculous amount of money Mm buying, fixing, maintaining an an Iron Man suit or anything like that. I have suits that I've bought outright. Mm -hmm. So there are beautiful suits you can buy and there's nothing wrong with buying, but I am a person who is a cosplay person who built. Mm. It sounds like the creation is what really pulls you into it from from what you've been saying so far, the act of like playing with the materials and learning and and building and stuff. I'm curious as to like cosplay and being empowering and being in costume and being able to be like more than you are or embrace another character. Do you feel like that act of creation and also being able to embrace a character that you enjoy being associated with could be described as empowering for you or do you think that's uh, not really a part of what draws you into it? I know a lot of people who feel empowered when they're a different character, so I don't wish to offend them, Mm. but for me, no, not really. For me, the sense of achievement comes from when I throw an Iron Man suit on, I walk down the street and people start tooting their horns and go, holy bejesus, that's actually Iron Man. Mm. Or 
people see me going under a moving car as Indiana Jones, they go, what possessed you to do that? But that's really cool. Exactly what I thought. What possessed him to do that? That's really cool. It's sort of, a lot of people will throw a costume on and uh, let's use, for example, a Black Widow cosplayer. Mm. They get a sense of empowerment from a strong female character who has a presence on screen, right? Mm. I've never felt that. Mine has just been, that's a cool character. Can I recreate that in some way? And then I love Harrison Ford, for example, mm. uh, and Indiana Jones is my favorite film of all time. It's, can I pay tribute to that in a, in a right. fresh way? As someone who's 21, wasn't around for the original movies, but is just as passionate as, say, someone who is in their 50s who grew up with them as a kid. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. Clearly, then, the characters you pick are the ones that, like, you have a bit of a passion to sometimes. How do you select characters you want to spend all this time building uh, their costumes and stuff? Surprisingly, I haven't done a villain yet, which uh, Mm. is a bit odd. Uh, it's normally somehow just become a hero or an anti-hero sort of character. But for me, it's cool factor. Yeah. Like, do they look cool on screen? <laughs> That's kind do of important, hey? Do they have a design that I actually want to see? Can I replicate that design in some way? Uh, and then for me, do I like the actor, what they stand for, what they portray? So I built the Aquaman suit because I love Jason Momoa. And I have since his days on Stargate Atlantis. Mm. Harrison Ford, obviously one of the biggest movie stars of all time, has done so many things and does a lot of his own stunt work as well. So as a stuntman, mm. I was like, I've got to do something Harrison Ford's done. So, And Indy was a natural progression from that sort of first foray into it. And then the final thing is, can it be used in a way to further promote the image that I'm trying to portray as a cosplayer and as a business, basically? Mm. Interesting. So there's that element of like connecting into the mainstream while also being able to do it in your own way and producing the stuff that you want out of it. Well, I I either go in one or two directions. I either go dead on, that's what it looks like on screen, or is my original take and I'm really obvious that I'm not trying to reproduce something off a screen. Right, yeah. A good example is my Jack Sparrow is as screen accurate as I can get. My Captain America from World War II is my take on World War II style that 1930s, 1940s look with some military kit thrown on and a different shield and what I had lying around that I've collected over time. I basically threw that together for a quick shoot out of stuff I already had as opposed to here's something I've taken the deliberate time to get as perfect as I can. I guess I've got like a a final question. Maybe it's a slightly unusual one to answer, a little bit difficult perhaps, but I'm wondering if there's like any way that you found in your life outside of the suits and outside of the cosplay and outside of the building where you're able to access the benefits of cosplay, like when you're not in costume. Well, for me, it's really easy to answer that actually because I do run a business based off this stuff. So I get a lot of people who have seen my stuff and go, can I commission a prop from you? So when I'm not in a suit, I'm making money building a prop for somebody. Uh, shout out to a mate of mine, uh, Ezekiel, who does a lot of film work here in Brisbane, and he's commissioned props for me for some of his film work on YouTube. So I get to do that sort of thing. And then come Halloween, I'm normally booked out doing costumes right, for people right. who want to be up on stage and want to look good. So I do my best to make sure that I can get those out in time. Uh, at, at a professional level that they're going to look as good as I feel that I look in something mm, that I've built mm. for myself. And then the other thing that I get really lucky is I get to do a lot of location shoots. I get to go into the bush, into water, to the beach. I'm on sand. I've been running around doing lots of crazy things. So I've had some really cool experiences in some really beautiful places around Australia um, doing this sort of stuff. So I've been lucky to have experiences a lot of people wouldn't normally have uh, going on adventures people normally have. Oh, that's really, really cool. Harrison, before we, before we let you go, I've got to ask a question. You're looking at Matt. How tall are you, Matt? I'm six foot four. Six foot four. What's your waist size? About 30, oh, 31 32, inches. probably 34. 32. If you were putting Matt in cosplay, Harrison, it's a question without notice. What's your cosplay option for Matt? Cosplay option for Matt? Looking at Matt, I'm going to go with Aragorn, Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, he needs to grow the hair a little bit longer, but he's got the height. He's got the sort of slim ranger Damn. build, similar build to myself. He so. likes that one. I was going to go with more of a daredevil from the Marvel classic sort of red costume for Matt. I, reckon he could pull I that thought one. you were going to pull it. Got the right name. Got the right name, Matt Murdock. Daredevil Matt, would work. That's, 
See? I thought you were going to put a jab of the hut there, Fred. Thanks very much for that. No, no, no. Well, that, that might be the one that they picked for me, Matt. So <laughs> let's just not be particularly mean there. So, Harrison, you're looking at me, okay? I'm about 5'10 wide. What's the cosplay that you'd put me in to, to really give me that convention lift I want? I've got two, and I'll go with the obvious choice, and that's Wilson Fisk, also oh. from Marvel and Daredevil and The Punisher. But my other choice for you would be probably going for height, maybe a Ninja Turtle. I reckon you'd pull that off. Oh, yes. I reckon, but maybe I have to put the shell on the front. (laughs) (laughs) Just walk around backwards all day. That's eh? the way to do it. I want to say, and I said to Matt before you guys jumped online, I've been going to conventions since I was a kid because of the comic part of things. And conventions started as mostly comics and then people dressed as stormtroopers and Klingons. And it's going through a renaissance. I think I'm taking my six-year-old daughter to conventions, or at least I was before the pandemic. And the thing that gets her there and the thing that makes it a really great family day for us is the cosplay. In our last convention pre-pandemic, she was able to buy herself a Nerf sword, which was great. And she hit me with it 10,000 times. Luckily, it was a Nerf sword, not a real one. She did want the proper katana. I said, no, you can't have that yet. So I want to thank you for the effort that you put in because as someone that is aligned to a lot of the content you produce, there's nothing more exciting than seeing it come to life. But, mate, it's been lovely having you here. Now, tell people where they can find you when they're looking online. Uh, so I'm on YouTube and Instagram as Punk Creations. And then I am on TikTok as Armored Adventures. Uh, and before I go, I must say, as a comic book person myself, I have Stan Lee who looks over me. Uh, I got the chance to get his autograph when he came to Brisbane. Being a delight, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you, mate. Look for Harrison online, guys. You won't be disappointed. Thanks so much, Harrison. That was excellent. Hello, Alana. How are you? Hi, good, thanks. Alana, this is my co-host, Matt. Lovely to meet you, Alana. I really want to validate Alana, Matt, because I put out this post and the gatekeepers of the cosplay community piled on. They wanted to make I, sure... I, I was wanted... unfortunately one of them. No, I'm uh, glad, I'm glad. But no, because... this is good. This is good. I do know that a lot of cosplayers, and it, it doesn't matter what age they are, they are protective of each other. Right. So if they are suspicious, and unfortunately, if you don't have a real photo of yourself and your social media isn't as public as they would like it to be, then they can sort of jump on top of you because they're protecting everybody. And you know what? More power to the community of cosplay for doing it. I'd like to think that uh, I passed because you're here and uh, there'll be nothing salacious, I promise. I'm very much the same. I've got my Facebook is uh, very private. You can really only see my profile picture and that is it. I've got my walls up. Uh, but my cosplay is very public. So Mm. I've got two different sides of my social media. Fantastic. We're going to talk all about that. So I'm going to hand over to you, Matt, with some fantastic questions. I guess start at the the beginning then with what attracted you to cosplay in the first place. Like why did you get into this? Yeah, mine's a bit of a complicated history. Um, I have friends that have always done cosplay and I always sort of watch them and I was really interested and seeing other cosplays online, I really wanted to give it a go. But at the time I was married and my ex-husband was very sort of dismissive of it. Like those people are freaks, why would you do that? So I made a costume and went to Supernova actually in 2015 with one of my best friends and he was dressed up as well. And I absolutely loved it. And I went back home to my husband and I said, I'm going to do this now. And basically we divorced later, but (laughs) I said, I'm doing this now and I don't care what you say. And in the divorce, you got the cosplay and the world was good following that, which is fantastic. <laughs> Have you been to a Supernova map? I was going to say, actually, I think I went to Supernova in 2016. I, I went to that one as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, um, I went to PAX a bit as I as play a lot of games. I don't know, the, these scenes have never been something that I've loved as much as some of the friends I went with. I've got a, a friend of mine who's particularly into cosplaying herself, actually, and I just, like, I didn't click with spending the whole day there, but you can watch that community and watch the energy in the space is just really amazing as a little bit of an observer sometimes I think like maybe it doesn't suit me so much but watching everyone have such a great yeah. time in those costumes I and usually, everything. Uh, when I go I usually do a lap of the uh, attractions that are on if there's any panels I want to see I'll go see them usually on the first day I'll buy a piece of artwork and I, I usually try to go for a different artist each time and I'm yep. trying to support a different person each time I go and then the next day I'll be there for the whole day and I don't think I've 
move very much from the actual lobby because I'm just catching up with friends and most yeah. of my friends who are cosplayers, I don't see them for six months until the next con rolls around. So yeah. it's just this big catch up. Yeah, no, I really like that energy, I think. Coming back to that story about like starting cosplay, that, that sounds to me, and I may well be ignorant, but it sounds to me like you would have come into it a bit older than other cosplayers. Yes. Is that a, an experience yes, that you've definitely. had? Yeah. I would have been 26 when I started. Right, right. Oh, ancient. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised they let you in at Unfortunately, 26. when my first con that I went to, uh, anybody else who was remotely my age, 25 to 28, had already been doing cosplay for like five, six years. Yeah. And everyone who was in my level and were like, I'm a newbie too, was 16 to 19 years old. So yeah, I that was that was our group bit, when we went there, yeah. Yeah, I did feel a bit disjointed and a little bit uncomfortable my first time because I was like, oh my God, everyone my age is like at this level and everyone who is at my level is so much younger than me. Mm-hmm. That's a real <laughs> a real challenge without a doubt. I guess that maybe brings in a question of like the community of cosplaying and stuff where did you find that that was actually a barrier for other people like judging and looking at your cosplay or do you think that was just something no. because you felt young and you felt out of place? How's the it community def- treated you? It was you? definitely personal. I went with my friend and he had been cosplaying for many years. So he's my age. And he introduced me to people that were part of what you would call the cosplay scene. Hmm. They work behind the scenes at Supernova. They sometimes do cosplays themselves. And I've actually still got all of them on Facebook. They are still all very good friends. We chat outside of cons. So they were very welcoming. And even the, the younger ones that were very new, they'd introduce themselves. And my friend and his community are very good at going, well, you need to speak to this person oh, look, you're wearing this particular game cosplay. That person over there is also from the same game. You probably should chat about that. Mm. They're really good at communicating that people can meet with each other. So it was definitely a personal opinion that I was way too old to be starting this. Mm. That's exciting to hear because I'm under the impression that for a community like this that maybe can feel intimidating to participate in, because everyone's so passionate about what they do, if you're also passionate about it, it just kind of, you're very welcome because it is this sense of we love what we're doing here. Would you would you agree yeah, with that? I think so. There's, In my opinion, there's two parts of the community. Mm. So the part that I tend to associate with, they are very passionate. And if they see someone, even if someone just chucks a post online and says, I've never cosplayed, what's my first step? There is literally hundreds of people that will jump in and go, check out this website, check out this social media, call me if you want any tips. There's always people saying, DM, and I will give you some tips. So they're very welcoming. There's another part of the community, and weirdly, they don't tend to cosplay, but they are like the gatekeepers of the judging. Right. So right. They, they will tell you if you have done something wrong for a cosplay. <laughs> mm, right, because it's not like screen accurate or, yeah, or something. Yeah, I've actually, I had a competition piece that I did once and she has a bikini for her breastplate. Right. I made it a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker because it needs to stay up because not only is it a bikini, it is sleeveless. Yeah, right. So I needed some sort of a belt to help it stay up and straight away I had a lot of people coming up and saying, she uh, doesn't have it that long. Why did you make uh, it so wide? Right. And I'm sitting here thinking, did you not? Can you not see that gravity is part of this cosplay? Yeah, yeah but <laughs> one of the things that comics don't have a lot of Matt is gravity effects on the body, unless you're punching someone off a building. Same with video games. Yeah. I've noticed that gravity doesn't really come in as other. Yeah. other phys- Could I ask you a question about that? Because our last guest spoke about competitions as well. What is a competition in cosplay all about? There's a couple of different levels, so it, it depends on which con you go to. Yep. So most of the cons will have just a, a basically a free-for-all cosplay competition. You just sign up. There might be a few certain rules, such as you can never have participated in a cosplay uh, competition before. You have to have made at least 90% or sometimes they'll say 80% of the cosplay because they acknowledge that you might have to go buy a wig. Yeah. So you just got to read the rules you know, the terms and conditions for each individual competition because they're all slightly different. And then there's the next level. Uh, Supernova does this very well. Uh, that They call it the Odyssey competition. And I'm hoping that some other cons will actually jump into it. And that one is a special skills competition. You have to fill in a, a questionnaire to even enter. You have to go before a panel before you even allowed access into the competition because they have to check what your previous cosplays are like. You can't just go into that one as a beginner. You have to tick some boxes with skills. So they look for foam work, they look for sewing, they look for electronics. You have to tick those boxes in order to enter the competition. So I I did that one in 2019, which was the last time that it 
was on. So I, I went to the, the Gold Coast Supernova yeah. competition. So I got told afterwards, because they don't really give you much feedback unless you ask, but the judges said I did pretty well. Um, another friend of mine beat me, uh, but I fully support that decision. Amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I really challenged myself with that one, which I thought was amazing for that kind of competition, because I had to learn a lot of new skills to even get into it. Fantastic. We're learning today how technical cosplay is. It's sewing, it's electronics. It's yeah. um, Is that the fun bit? I like learning new skills. When I first started cosplay, I made a, a ball gown basically and a hat. It looks like a bonnet. And it, it's really easy for me because I've always sewn my own clothes. Right. And I didn't realize until I got into the cosplay scene when people were complimenting me on how my first ever cosplay looked. I didn't realize that was a skill that I had. I kind of, I don't know why I was this ignorant, but I thought everyone can sew. Yeah. <laughs> and then people were complimenting me on this sewing thing that I did. So I went, oh, wow, this is something unique. So I do tend to make ball gowns a lot because of that. But I do like learning about foam smithing. I've done a few things now with foam smithing. I've done some armor pieces. I loved learning about electronics. Uh, my competition piece, I had wings that were electronic, so they flapped up and down. Wow. I would like to start looking into lights because I haven't really done anything with lights yet. I have a question there about this tension between authenticity, I guess, and creativity and artistic license and talent. Maybe that's at the heart of some tension in the cosplay community, perhaps. In my mind, at least, there's no right way to do it, to be authentic or to be creative and artistic. But do you think that there is a sense of attention between that in the community? There can be. I think you just got to choose who you talk to and who your friends are. Right. Um, Most of the people that I know, cosplay is cosplay. If Mm. you do not have the skills and you buy a cosplay from a website, that is cosplay. If you have the skills and you are doing something uh, amazing with sewing, that's cosplay. You're challenging yourself and it doesn't look great because it's your first time using foam or whatever. Mm. You're still cosplaying. Right, right, and right. And a lot of, lot of the community I talk to, they quote the actual origin of the word cosplay. It's costume play. It doesn't say anything about skill in that term. Right, yeah. I've had been thinking a little bit uh, in preparation for this about the fact that it seems to me that cosplay is becoming a little bit more mainstream. And we were talking a little bit about that with our, our guest beforehand as well. And I wonder if that means you get more people in who have less of those uh, refined skills and who are a bit more uncertain about it or have to buy more things or whatever. And maybe that causes some tension within a community that's used to being about people who are really super authentic about their, their cosplay or something. I feel that it's probably uh, less, actually. I think, as you were saying before, people are intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. So people who buy their costumes, they might be too scared to actually go to a con with their right. store-bought costume because I think that they're they're seeing the small community that will sit there and go, oh, you bought that, mm-hmm. not seeing the larger community that doesn't care. Interesting. Um, because I, I do know that there's a cosplay Facebook page where we all get together and we share tips and things. And there's a lot of posts that come out saying, I'm new to cosplay and I want to make this particular thing. How do I go about it? As opposed to, this is my first made costume. You know, they're jumping straight into making before doing that little buffer in between. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the younger kids are actually good at that. They go buy a costume, they go to a con wearing a bought costume, then they realize, oh, actually next time I want to maybe change some things about this costume. And they step themselves up which is better if you ask me. You have to learn the skills slowly. You're going to, of course, be intimidated and disappointed if you want to make like a giant suit of armor and you've never done it before. That makes sense in my mind about lowering the barrier to entry in something that you want to share with people. You were talking right at the start about some experiences with people being very dismissive of cosplay. Because I'm a part of communities adjacent to cosplay, at least, that's never been something that's been in my mind, but I've obviously seen it happen. Do you think that's happening more? Do you think that's happening less? How much of a problem do you find that to be in your experience of cosplay? It probably hasn't changed. It's not more, it's not less. It's very consistent. It's weird that the people who tend to comment on your cosplays are never actually in a costume themselves. Mm. So I think most of my friends and I, we sort of just don't pay attention to that anymore because... Why would you comment on it when you're not actually doing it yourself? It's very weird. And it's also on social media. If you put up a photo of yourself in a costume and go, look, I just made this, there's always somebody who comes out and says, oh, 
actually that color scheme is wrong. <laughs> and and when you look at their profile, like we did with you, Fred, and we go and we look at someone's background, they are not a cosplayer, mm. but they had to put their two cents in on why you did it wrong. Mm -hmm. I promise you I have never, <laughs> ever critiqued a cosplayer. <laughs> well, not only wouldn't I dare, but I am not a purist in any sense of the form. We were just talking about that actually before we started about this movement in pop culture that say you've got to keep comics the way they've always been. And it's like, well, comics have never been one thing. They adapt. Diversity is a part of the whole medium. And and I suspect that uh, if you wanted to wear a Scarlet Witch outfit that was navy blue, that'd be really cool. You know, in the comics, she doesn't, but why not? You know, I'm, I'm keen to know something that you mentioned there about this idea of um, the community and gatekeepers. Our previous guest, Harrison, gets to wear Iron Man armour and all those sorts of things. Is there a different treatment of cosplay for women? Yes. <laughs> and how is it um, different? There's a few differences. Um, so, for example, uh, if someone wants a photo with him, they will ask him for a photo. Excuse me, may I have this photo? He says yes. They stand next to him. They do not touch him and they get their photo next to each other. My personal experiences with people wanting to have photos is um, my costumes are quite big. I tend to not be able to move a little bit with some of the ones I'm doing now. Sometimes my vision's obscured. So I always have a friend with me who is kind of like my vision. And yeah. he sort of parts the way between people just like, you know, excuse me, she can't fit through there. Can you just separate? People will ask him, can I have a photo with her? And it's happened more times than I think it should for someone to ask the man standing next to me if they can have a photo with me. He's great about it because he'll always go, well, you can ask her. <laughs> so they'll ask me and then they'll either do the right thing, stand next to me, have a photo. Most of the time, though, and it's always men, they will want to put their arm around me or have a snuggle in the photo. And I'm like, can you not touch me, please? Particularly because I am quite bulky and made of foam don't touch me and if they want to they might ask for another type of photo they go oh you're my favorite character can you take a photo where you're pretending to kiss me on the cheek or something like no i don't oh know you God. i'm not going to do that <laughs> yeah no i can see there wouldn't be a lot of uh, people asking harrison in iron man to kiss him on the cheek it's really interesting actually and i, I wondered if some of the suspicion i got when i posted in hindsight because i'm a psychologist and i do reflect on stuff was the idea that sometimes people do fetishize things like cosplay mm. um and because of that the community does need to protect itself from that is that your experience as well yeah um so on my social medias i've got an instagram page and i put up progress pics of my cosplay and then i'll put up any good photos i have when it's finished by photographers and no question i will if I put up a good photo of a finished product straight away within the next few weeks, lots of private messages from men that are asking for private photo shoots. And usually they're asking me to keep the hair and makeup nudes. And if you look at my media, I am never wearing anything that is not clothing. Yeah. Maybe some of my cosplays might be showing a little bit of skin like the one with the bikini armor, but I'm very much covered. I do not know where they get the impression that I am going to go, sure, let's take some photos. Mm. And it, it annoys me because there are some people who make money by doing that. But in my opinion, that's not cosplay. Like they, no. they put the makeup on, they put the wig on, but then the, the part of the costume is what the character is actually yeah. wearing. And it doesn't matter if you change that slightly. I've got a costume where I've imagined one of my favorite video game characters at a pajama party. So I designed her some pajamas. That's still her costume because I kept it the same color scheme. I tried to use her symbols in the pajamas. But if I was walking around naked or just in a bikini, that's got nothing to do with her tune. Yep. The only way you'd know it was her was if her hairstyle and makeup was significantly poignant. One of the things that you just said uh, earlier was that the art of cosplay is about the costume. So what I've heard you say is if you're some freak trying to get your rocks off, don't bother a cosplayer, okay? Yeah. Because the art of cosplay is a costume. And if you're going to do it, send them to Harris and ask him just to put the Iron Man helmet on and be naked underneath. That's, you know, you'll get the same response, I suspect. We, we didn't ask him that because, <laughs> funnily enough, it didn't come up with male <laughs> cosplayers. And it's this idea of different treatment in different communities. And I now understand 
why the community reacted to what looked like quite a dodgy post. And I've learned from that. What's also interesting to me is the added layer of complexity for a female cosplayer just doing what they do without being objectified. Yeah. Um, and I just think that sucks. And I think for those that listen to this, cosplay is not consent. And because somebody's putting on a costume, they're not doing it for you, you smutty fools. They're doing it for them. There, there is a few uh, times where I've met someone in the community who is not in costume, but actually will jump in and they see that cosplay is not consent and they'll jump into somebody that's harassing me. So it, it might only be a very quick little 30 second harassment, but someone else will jump in. So it's, we don't do uh, that here. I like that. That's good. Yeah, it, it is a problem that there is an idea that because I'm dressed up as your favorite character, suddenly all your fantasies are going to come true. But there are other people that are not cosplayers. They're enjoying the con that are willing to jump in and go, wait, don't do that. I'm now worried if I dress as a Ninja Turtle, someone might hit on me. You've got me really worried <laughs> I noticed it doesn't really happen to men. One of my friends, he, uh, he's he got a very good body. He takes very good care of himself. So he's got the abs and the six pack. And he tends to cosplay male characters that have their chest exposed in some way. Because obviously he is very proud of himself and he wants to show it off. Indeed. But I don't hear him having similar no, stories no. of people coming up and going, can I just touch your abs? <laughs> True, true. Uh, and Fred wouldn't have that problem. It's okay. No, I could touch my abs, but it requires surgery. Yeah. See what I have to put up with on this podcast, Alana. He's always uh, trying to cut me down. I think this is like one of the key tensions that I've obviously heard from people because it's so prevalent and it's so disappointing that an art form has to be um, tainted by this in some ways. It feels to me that there's this sense of entitlement when you dress up. It's as if, as, as Fred, you were saying, it's like, well, because you look like this, therefore I'm entitled to your consent. But in contrast, I feel like the contrast of this is that a lot of people talk about cosplay being empowering and being an opportunity to do something different and live a different life and be who you want to be. Does that cause a tension for you or how do you feel about that? I don't think it really clashes for me because I do hang out with my friends that I've made through cosplay. So most of my day is spent catching up with like-minded people where basically going, what have you been doing for the last six months? The people that are annoying and they come up and want a photo and then they're going to step over a line, that's a bit far and few between for me because I don't tend to be out there. There's a, a lot of cons will have a photography alley, they sort of call it, and it's where the photographers hang out. So if you want to get good photos of your costume, you head over there and a photographer at some point will not be shooting anyone and go, oi, do you want to jump over here? That's where all the rest of the crowd right. hang out because they know that's where the cosplayers are going to be getting their photos. So that's where all the laymen with their camera phones will be going, can I take your photo? I tend not to head into that area so much. Most of my photography friends, we organize a time and a location before the con, so I don't have to yeah, go into that right, sort of right, area. Right. I will be there next time I go to a con, unfortunately, because my partner has just started cosplay. It's going to be his first costume, really. And right. so I, I promised him that I would take him down to that yeah. photography area so that he can show it off because he doesn't really know the community. I've always had friends who do tons of dressing up and it just, it, I can't put the time into it. It doesn't hold my interest, but watching the stuff they do just blows my mind. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I have a problem with the, the work-life balance. So um, <laughs> my costumes are very far and few in between. I probably only get to make one, two a year if I'm really lucky. Hmm. There, there's a question that I have about like the applicability of the um, benefits of cosplaying when you're not in costume. Like, Do you find that cosplaying is important Proved your life generally? Do you think it's made you confident or given you skills or whatever when you're not actually at the cons in costume? How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, my first con that I went to, I was very shy, very nervous. Luckily, I cosplayed a character that doesn't really talk too much and is a bit subdued. Perfect. So it sort of matched. Yeah, I, I subconsciously must have done that. Um, but I was hiding behind my friend constantly and I... I do have a little bit of social anxiety. I work on that in therapy. So it definitely got me out of my shell a bit because everyone was so nice. And yeah, as I said, I was hiding behind my friend for a lot of it whenever a new person approached me. And then uh, the next cosplay I did was Harley Quinn. And my friend said that I was completely different. I was 
bouncing around, like literally bouncing wow. around. I was somersaulting and tumbling around the place. One of my friends described it once that, because I said, I can't believe I've got this personality. I've, I've managed to be Harley hmm. and without even thinking about it. And one of my friends said, no, that's you. You've just removed the lid. Yeah. So yeah. I'm in there somewhere. It's just coming out when I'm in costume because it's not me it's someone else but it pulls out the personality traits that i have somewhere in me just buried under anxiety i guess that's the fascinating power of being able to dress up however you want and be be who you want to be for a day sort of thing wow that's really that's yeah. such a good story i i definitely think it's helped me and i'm sure there's other people out there that are very similar to me where i got into this hobby because i just liked comic books i like video games i like sewing i thought these things are all going to go great together and I got really excited when I was making that first costume and I kept showing photos of my to my friend who was taking me to Supernova as I was progressing going look this is nearly done and then when it came to the actual day I almost didn't want to leave his apartment got dressed the morning of and then I just sort of sat there for a bit going oh my god we gotta walk through the door now <laughs> I love the idea that the more you've done the more you found yourself without the lip because I would have thought that question that Matt asked is one that I deliberated on quite a lot. It's actually not something that I knew. It's something I actually got from an entertainer called RuPaul, who does RuPaul's Drag Race, who said, you know, it took him years of therapy to understand that he could have the same power out of drag yeah. that he gets from being in drag. Yeah. I have some peers. One's a photographer that does some work, and the other one is a little bit older than me and does cosplay now, and his cosplay has evolved over time where his whole family does it with him now. And I certainly oh, think... Oh, I think I might know who you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's in Sydney, but he does go to Golden Over a lot yep. and he often dresses as The Flash. And yes. um, <laughs> we hope he'll be on as a guest. I'm trying to coax him on. He's the most socially confident person I know. But one of the aspects of that is that it's his personality it always has been but it's not his personality that you'll necessarily see out and about but the second that he puts his cosplay on it's quite remarkable i have a question for you you're looking at matt now matt's a fresh-faced young millennial okay so early 20s i think he's a blank canvas you see so if you were putting matt in cosplay what would you dress him as i had two thoughts in my mind for that one you said you were a video game fan mm. so in my head i can picture you being somebody quite tall and maybe a little bit more combaty. so i'm thinking uh if you ever play overwatch i'm thinking you would make a very good junk rat <laughs> the hair fits as well doesn't it perfect well junk rat is lanky but he mm. he's he's got that personality of bouncing around i think you'd have fun with that because mm. he gets to just be crazy mm. that's a very good excuse to just be a little bit wacko at a con hey <laughs> i gotta google that with your kids with your video games overwatch junk rat now and be kind please you've got me a slightly more seasoned uh robust canvas what would you do with me alana oh uh, you were really tough for me because the first thought i had was exactly the same as your previous guest i went with like mafia boss although i went with kingpin from oh, yeah, spider-man yeah, yeah. so i kind of want to take that back now because we can't just typecast you as a mafia don <laughs> really racist yes it's true <laughs> So I feel like if you were up for a challenge, which might involve some body paint and things like that, there was a TV show that Disney produced in the 90s called Gargoyles, and I think you would make a good Goliath. I love that. I really <laughs> love that. I do know that TV show. It's a sort of stony it's purple. The main, the main gargoyle that's in charge. Yeah, so, yeah, it would take, like, a little bit of body paint, a little bit of latex. We'd have to oh. get some wings. Uh, ideally, I can give you some tips on how to make those wings actually move up and down. <laughs> you know what? You've absolutely captivated me with that. That is a really cool suggestion. Do you know who the gargoyles are, Matt? Oh, uh, yeah, actually, I was thinking. Yeah. Like, I never watched it, but They've I've seen it. They've made a rerun on Disney Plus, I noticed. I was well, binge yeah. watching them. I'm loving Disney Plus at the moment. Uh, Loki is my favourite. I expect at my next con I will see many Lokis. One of the things I mentioned and one of the things I love, when I started going to conventions, I was quite young and it was mainly about the art. Like yourself, I always buy a piece of local art. But the thing that I've loved as I've gotten older is the cosplay. And now that I've got a family and I've got a six-year-old daughter, the second last 
con we went to, she left saying, I want to dress up for the next one. And in the next one, she chose to go as Elsa and she had, you know, the great stuff and she had the long, long braid and all the rest of it. And one of the things I saw about her was not feeling awkward <laughs> because she was dressed up because about half the people there were. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I really loved about the cosplayers was when we asked them, and we always asked them if they could take a photo with her, everybody was so gracious and so genuine, even though the one I remember most from that convention was somebody that was dressed as Hawk Girl, which at the time we were watching the DC Adventures, and she really wanted this photo. And this girl must have been exhausted, hot, tired, the wings, I can imagine, are fairly heavy. And she was so gracious and took so much time out. And because of that, I think one of the things I really love about conventions and cosplays, it creates a really welcoming experience. And the thing I loved about that last conference I went to is we bumped into somebody that my wife works with and their whole family was dressed as different generations of Star Trek. And I thought that was so cool. You know, little kids and, and mum and dad, I love that stuff. And the artistry is magnificent. Alana, you've been such a great guest. Where do people find your cosplay online? So I've got both Facebook and Instagram, and they are both at Vitani, V-I-T-A-R-N-I-I. We're going to have all the details of both of our guests on the episode notes. You have been such a gracious person to come online and do this for us. We really loved it. I think we've learned a lot, haven't we, Matt? Absolutely. This has been fantastic. Thanks very much. Matt's worked out. I looked up that character, and I think that would be pretty good for Matt. Yeah, I'm very (laughs) impressed. I think that's a perfect choice for something a bit different. I was very flattered by Aragon beforehand, but I think I'm very impressed by Junkrat. Yeah, I've got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, you know. We have had great guests today. My very, very special thanks to Harrison and Alana. You'll find their links in the notes for this episode. I really recommend you jump on board. This is really, really cool stuff. And it just goes to show there are lots of ways to find empowerment. For those that didn't know what cosplay was before this, they certainly know now. And we've learned a lot today about people in general. So... Thank you for listening to If I Only Knew. Uh, Matt, thank you for today. No, it's wonderful. Thanks for sorting out those guests. I think that was a fascinating insight into this culture of people doing something creative and really exciting. And, and a bit of a departure from some of the big heavy stuff that we've exactly. been dealing with recently. And uh, we'll continue to bring you fantastic content as will the other Bed Podcast Network shows that are out and about and available. Check our episode notes, and we will see you all next week. See you later. Signing off. See you, everyone. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and, of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.